Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, nice start to the year for San Diego State this past Saturday in Week Zero. My name is John Schaefer. This is the Aztec Wrap-Up Show. As you make your way here, whether it's live or on replay, please subscribe. You're on content for Aztec fans covering football and men's basketball. We, t- we told you really all week leading up to this opener against uh, Ohio University how critically important this game potentially was going to be for San Diego State, really for a couple of reasons, one of which was San Diego State's schedule. Uh, to start the year, which has some real big tests and hurdles ahead still for the Aztecs. And by winning week one, you can really forecast a scenario where San Diego State can put themselves in good position. I think if they would have lost week one, it would have been a really uphill battle potentially for the Aztecs. When you look at what's to come, UCLA at home, not next week, but the week after, Oregon State and Corvallis. Then you still have, of course, Boise State at home and then Air Force. Those are your first six games. I mean, Ohio won 10 games last year. Then Idaho State should be a win this upcoming weekend. Um, You know, coaching staff obviously is not going to say that. Um, But for me, Idaho State, FCS program, San Diego State hopefully takes care of business. It is a bit of a trap, right, between your opener, a 10-win team, and UCLA. But San Diego State, certainly good enough to beat Idaho State. They did a year ago. And then the real tests begin. Oregon State in Corvallis, potentially a top 15 team at that point. Boise State at home always – you know, capable of being a top 25 caliber or one of the better teams in the Mountain West. And Air Force picked to finish second in the league here in 2023. So if you're here, by the way, please subscribe. You're on content for Aztec fans. If you're here, we'd love to see you in the chat as well. I'll pull up some of these comments as we get into it. Your reaction to San Diego State's victory over Ohio. This thing was far from a given heading in. Um, when you consider really all the changes San Diego State had, offensively and defensively. Ryan Lindley, the new offensive coordinator, replacing Jesse Matthews and Tyrell Shavers. I thought we saw some really good plays in the receiving game from San Diego State after a bit of a slow start. Uh, Jalen Maiden got going with the late first half, actually the final play of the first half, touchdown reception to Mark Redman, completely flipping the game with all that momentum into the locker room. And then, you know, in the second half, Redman had his second touchdown reception as well. We saw some of the younger receivers get opportunities. Balen Brooks, a couple of grabs in that uh, victory. Makai Shaw, I thought, had a couple of good grabs for San Diego State. Uh, the tailbacks really were impressive, weren't they? I mean, what we saw specifically in the second half from San Diego State running the football, I thought was really, really encouraging. Uh, Jalen Armstead um, kind of saying, feed me at times there in the third quarter. Eight carries for 78 yards. I mean, eight carries, 78 yards is an average of about 10 yards per carry. Keenan Christian um, had moments um, early and late for San Diego State. And at the end of the game, you know, Jalen Maiden's final line is a very good one. He did not 
turned the ball over. San Diego State was plus two in this game. Made 17 of 27, 164 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. You're going to win a lot of games with that type of quarterback play. Did he throw for 300 yards? No. Um, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. He's got this, again, young receiving group, not with the veteran Mark Redman, who had five catches, 62 yards and two touchdowns, but Makai Shaw, yeah, returner, three catches. Balen Brooks, the freshman, two catches. Kenny Christian out of the backfield, a couple of catches. Cam Davis out of the backfield, a couple of catches. Breon Penny had a big catch late in this game. Jay Rudolph, the tight end, had a couple of receptions as well for San Diego State. So I thought that was encouraging. Um, again, 20 points. Um, you know, is it the their highest total they're going to have this year? Of course not. But to get a couple of touchdowns, to get the offense going late in the first half, keep it going a little bit there in the second half, I think is encouraging. And then defensively, I thought they really played well, especially when you consider the start where Ohio, for a brief period of time, was kind of moving up and down the field. Their first drive at 81 yards stopped at uh, San Diego State's two-yard line. They settled for a field goal. And then the Aztecs knocked Curtis Rourke out of the game. And maybe that changed the game. Although C.J. Harris last year was very competent. He started the last couple of games for Ohio, both wins. He beat Wyoming in a bowl game, dual threat guy. Um, and they really did well against C.J. Harris. 18 of 42 in this game, threw for 203 yards, but a touchdown to three interceptions. Could have been four. San Diego 103-yard return for Marcus Radcliffe. The freshman pulled back. Otherwise, they probably wins this game. 26, but... You know, defensively, there were a lot of really good signs in this game. Um, they got pressure. Cody Moon, defensive player of the week, Mountain West, Mountain West teams play, but Cody Moon had 12 tackles in this game. Sedarius Barfield played really well. San Diego State's veteran secondary was impressive. And, yeah, Ohio was able to move the fo- football a little bit. Ohio outgained uh, SDSU in this game, 3-8, 3-0-9. But the Aztecs won in that critical area, the turnover battle, um, and the difference maybe punching it in a couple of times. Aztecs getting that touchdown late in the first half, getting a touchdown in the second half. Ohio scored late, made things interesting, got the ball back down 20 to 13. Aztecs eventually picking off TJ Harris and winning it by a score of, again, 20 to 13. All right, so John Schiffer with you here on the wrap-up show. We're going to hang out for the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so. If you're here, please say hello. Please comment in the chat. Let me know where you're watching from as we react to a game one win and look ahead to game two against Idaho State and then further ahead to that huge game coming up at Snapdragon Stadium a week from Saturday against UCLA at 4.30. I do want to thank Michael for commenting here. It says, great to see the wrap-up show back. Go Aztecs. Thank you, Michael for contributing here this, this morning. Um, also, Daniel, thank you for commenting. He says, uh, did you watch the broadcast back? I felt the announcers were quite biased against the Aztecs. It's funny. My wife literally was like, why are you watching this game back? So, yes, I did watch the game back. I didn't feel that way at all, to be honest with you, Daniel. I thought um, I thought Tim Brando um, did a good job. I thought, in general, they did a nice job. FS1, announcers on site. I thought some of the like cutaways of – City of San Diego, um, overheads of Snapdragon Stadium. I thought they did a good job. I thought they were pretty complimentary of um, Brady Hoke. I thought they detailed um, their conversations with Ryan Lindley and Kurt Maddox a lot. Um, I thought they were complimentary of Jalen Maiden, San Diego State success defensively. So I, I don't know if anyone else felt that way. I thought it was pretty reasonable and fair. I think they were fair to Ohio as well. I thought they were they were pretty good. Um, you know, considering that this wasn't you know it's a Group of Five matchup between a program out of 
Mountain West and a program out of the MAC that don't meet often, right? This wasn't some rivalry game. Uh, this was maybe as a game as there was in week zero when you look at that schedule. There were a couple of decent games on Saturday night. I thought Hawaii was a really good game. Hawaii played extremely well, had a chance to tie it on their final possession before throwing a pick. There was a good Conference USA game on Saturday night as well. I thought San Jose State did well enough against USC as a 31-point underdog. Um, had that game, I think, 14 all points, 14. Um, so I thought the Mountain West actually performed pretty well. San Diego State covering against Ohio by seven. They could have won by 21 if not for that. Roughing the pass penalty that overturned Marcus Radcliffe's 103-yard return. Hawaii was a huge dog, something like 18-point dog to Vanderbilt. They were um, annihilated by Vanderbilt last year uh, on the islands, I think 63-10, and they lost that game 45-28. I think that's encouraging for the Mountain West. And San Jose State has a good offense, and I think that was on display at the Coliseum this weekend. The defense, well, you're taking on SC, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, all the weapons that SC has on offense. But I think San Jose State has a chance to, once again, be, be pretty decent in the league as well. Um, let's see here. Max, thank you for the comment. He says, probably the best broadcasters we'll have all year. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we're going to get the nationally televised CBS game coming up, not this weekend, but next. This will be CBS Sports Network. I haven't seen the crew as of yet. But it is nationally televised, um, which is great news because a year ago, I was actually call with Jared Culver for this game. We streamed this game. This was the one game a year ago at Snapdragon and the entire season that was not nationally televised for San Diego State. But when you look at the schedule this year, everything's nationally televised including Saturday against Idaho State, which was not a guarantee, by the way. This is a full slate of games. This is week one now. You've got the full slate of games. So to get a nationally televised game against an FCS opponent for the Aztecs, I think, speaks to what they've been able to accomplish over the last handful of years, Rocky Long and Brady Hoke. And then 4.30 next Saturday, UCLA is a huge opportunity, obviously, for the Aztecs, assuming they can get to that game with a record of – we know the Aztecs won at the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. Chip Kelly just announced today, I tweeted out, let's see, that it won't be Dante Moore, the five-star recruit that starts week one for them against Coastal Carolina. It's going to be Ethan Garbers, who was at Washington. He played high school football with Mark Redman and then went to Washington with Mark Redman. Of course, Redman coming off this massive game for the Aztecs, two touchdowns, um, one of just three Aztec tight ends to have two or more touchdowns in a game since 1996. Incredibly, um, this past weekend against Ohio University. So it'll be Ethan Garber's week one against Coastal Carolina, maybe depending on how he plays. Um, it'll either be Garber's or presumably Dante Moore next Saturday at 4.30 on CBS. We'll see what that crew is um, next Saturday against UCLA. Uh, another comment here from Max. And again, guys, if you're here, please subscribe. We have year-round content for Aztecs fans. We're breaking down a week one or actually a week zero win for the Aztecs over the Ohio University Bobcats at Snapdragon Stadium. Max says, looked to me like the coaches had some good halftime adjustments and the players looked very motivated coming out in the second half. There were a couple of big moments in the second half, Max, and I agree with you. Um, you know, Ohio had a short missed field goal. San Diego State was able to put together a pretty long scoring drive there in the second half as well. Um, and then remember late in the game, San Diego State on the Ohio 35-yard line after a Bobcats failed onside kick, San Diego State elected to go for it on uh, about fourth and three. They ran it for maybe a yard. And Ohio didn't have a you know the shortest field in the world, but they were 65 yards away, with about 55 seconds to play, no timeouts. And they got to, what, down to the 33-yard line of the Aztecs with 11 seconds to play and theoretically a couple of cracks 
at the end zone. And they never got the second crack because the final play for Ohio offensively was intercepted. But this wasn't, you know, you know, this wasn't some, you know, easy stroll to the end for the Aztecs. Yeah, they led 20 to 6. It felt they might be able to hold on for a 20 to 6 win, but Ohio, uh, to their credit, put together a touchdown drive there. It took three or four minutes, though. They took a little more time than they probably should have to score. It came after that 103 yard touchdown was overturned, and they couldn't get the outside kick. But again, I think if you get a better break, and if they don't call a rough in the passer on that play from Cody, just a, a tad high. And the Aztecs probably win the game 27 to 6. But I think there's a lot to be learned also in winning close games because this much we know. San Diego State's always going to be in close games. Their defense keeps them in games. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, look back at a year ago. Look at some of the wins they had a year ago. Hawaii, Toledo, final drive wins, losses, Ohio State, the bowl game, close losses, right? So you're not expecting every game to be a 10-point win or a 10-point loss. In fact, I'd expect out of these 12 games, that San Diego State's involved in, you know, eight one-possession games. They've been involved in one already. Um, we'll see about Idaho State. Hopefully not. Hopefully the Aztecs have success against Idaho State. Um, but, you know, they could absolutely be involved in something like seven, eight, nine one-possession games potentially uh, here in 2023. But really, I, you know, a lot to like. Um, when you look at it, I think room for improvement. I heard Brady Hope post-game with Ben Fletcher on San Diego Sports 760. He was on. Big Rich TD and Fletch on San Diego Sports 760 this morning as well. And I think he's encouraged by what he saw, but I think he's also excited because of the potential for growth out of his team. And he always talks about the difference between week one and week two, or game one and two, being the areas of growth for a football team. And there's a lot of growth potential with this offense. 309 total yards, an average of 5.3 yards per play. Aztecs offensively only ran 58 plays to Ohio's 84. So San Diego State's defense was out there for 84 plays. And you look at the yards discrepancy and say, wow, Ohio you know, outplayed San Diego State. But yards per play, Ohio actually was only five yards per play. San Diego State was 5.3. And the big difference in this game was turnovers. And the big you know, play in this game, I think, was knocking out the quarterback. It wasn't the intent, obviously. But Cur Curtis Roar coming off the ACL – goes down. I think maybe the concussion-like symptoms might have had something to do with that knee. He had been really efficient in the first half. Eight of 10, 75 yards, had a chance at a touchdown throw from the two-yard line on their first drive, that slant that was broken up by Sedarius Barfield beautifully. So Rourke leaves, Harris came in. I don't think that alone was the reason why San Diego State won the game, because in the week leading up to the game, uh, Brady Hoke, Maddox, had both said publicly they were preparing for both quarterbacks. They thought there'd be a package of plays, if not series for C.J. Harris. Um, and I thought Harris at times was really good. He was nimble with his feet. Um, he had some really accurate throws. In the end, 18 of 42 isn't good enough. Um, and that's because you're facing San Diego State, you know, and an elite defense potentially. I think a young defense, but a defense that really started to, you know, separate a little bit there in the second half. And I think the defense, there's a lot of room for improvement as well. A lot of new parts, specifically, you know, in that front six, so to speak, of the 3-3-5. But – um, Aztecs a year ago, I, I want to say were minus five in turnovers. Ohio a year ago was plus 12, and San Diego State was plus two on Saturday. And we know the formula for San Diego State. Outrush the opponent, hold the ball for 30-plus minutes, and be you know plus one or better. And they win a lot when they're plus one or better. Um, and I want to say they've won 17 consecutive games when winning the turnover um, battle. So let me, let me find a note. Um, let's see, San Diego State. 
has actually won 31 consecutive games. So listen to this. San Diego State's won 31 consecutive games from forcing three or more turnovers, and they've won 17 straight committing fewer turnovers than their opponent. And they're 22 under Brady Hoke when they do that. I also mentioned Mark Redman, who's just the third Aztec tight end since at least 1996 with two touchdown catches in a game. The other is the late Escobar. He did it three times from 2011 to 2012. And Kali Waring, uh, he did that in Reno against Nevada back in 2018. All right, let me continue here in the chat with some of the comments that are coming in. We're reacting to San Diego State's victory over the Ohio Bobcats on Saturday at Snapdragon Stadium. I'm really a gorgeous day for football in Mission Valley. Kevin, thank you. He says, top two receivers, Wesley and Nicholson, didn't play, did they? Uh, let me see if I can find this. It won't be easy for me to do on the fly. In terms of participants or not, I don't, I don't think I can find participants. I, I, I can't answer that, Kevin. Um, what I can say is that Makai Shaw actually was listed as a starter as well. Uh, obviously, Bale and we knew about. He ended up playing a lot. I don't know if Wesley played or not. That's a good question. I don't know if Wesley or Nicholson played or not. Let me see if I can find that. Um, let's see real quick. I'm looking at a box score to see if I can find that. Let's see participants. Nicholson did play. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nicholson did play. Um, and I'm not sure about Wesley or not. That is a good question. But Nicholson did play and didn't start for the Aztecs. Bailey Brooks did start. Makai Shaw did start. Um, did you mention Nicholson? I, I just mentioned Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson played but did not start for the Aztecs. Uh, Max, thank you again. He says, what do you think of Hope not electing to punt at the end? Had an opportunity to pin Ohio inside the 20 rather than giving them the ball around the 40 with a minute to play. I think there's a couple of factors that go into this. And he was asked about this post game. If you want to find the video, I think it's on YouTube. If you find the Go Aztecs YouTube channel, I think you can find the full 16-minute clip of Brady Hope and some student athletes, Mark Redmond, and Darius Barfield following the whim. And he was asked about this, and I only saw um, a brief note or two on this on social media. I haven't fully watched back that 16-minute video. I think there's a couple of things that go into the thinking in that spot, one of which is what if you have some type of issue on special teams? Botch snap, block punt, right? That's always a possibility. Also, what if you have a return? What if you have a penalty? So there's some things that can go wrong in that spot. Um, you're in an interesting part of the field. You could pooch punt, obviously, with Jalen Maiden. You could elect to go for it, which obviously the team's going to love. Um, they were very aggressive, I thought, in general. And it paid off late in the first half, the touchdown throw to Mark Redmond. But overall, I thought they were very aggressive in the game. They had a fourth down run that was successful. Um, as well behind uh, Jalen Armstead, I want to say. It was not an easy conversion that they picked up. So there are three or four very aggressive plays in this game. I think most of them worked out. They didn't pick it up. Um, to your point, Max, maybe you're looking at, you know, I think, you know, maybe you're looking at a 15-yard swing. If the ball's in the end zone or at the 20, even if it's inside the 20, let's just say, um, you know, they're starting at the 15-yard line, for example. So, yeah, there's a 20-yard swing. Is it the end-all, be-all there? Um, could it be the difference? It could have been the difference 
Um, but I guess the trust in the offense there as well, if you can pick it up, you've ended the game. If you don't pick it up, they still have to go 65 yards. And if you have an issue on special teams, you have a problem. I guess might be the way to potentially look at it. I think it's something certainly that could be discussed. Um, all 12 that ends well in this game for San Diego State. But yeah, there could have been a 15 or 20 yard swing potentially there if they had elected to punt the football as opposed to go for it. Um, Aztec Breakdown, good to have you here live in the chat. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, I thought that there were, there's a number of things here where um, there's room for improvement, but there's also a lot of things that I thought were pretty encouraging for a first game. You have Ryan Lindley calling plays for the first time as an offensive coordinator. Simple as that, right? And I thought he really got into a groove a little bit in the second half. Um, and, you know, Jalen Maiden maybe started a little bit slow as well, missing throws, um, really found his composure, I thought, late in the first half on that two-minute drive. And that two-minute drive off the turnover late in the first half really changed the complexion of the game. And that's where Maiden really um, showed off with his legs, with the throw to Shaw on the near sideline and the pretty grab, getting a foot down, and then ultimately Redmond with six seconds left. Um, they elect not to kick the field goal. It was over the middle. I thought it was a good throw, um, kind of against the grain a little bit to find Redmond. But, yeah, they were more aggressive, I thought, in this one game, small sample size, than they were probably, by and large, in 2022. I, I think that's reasonable. And, again, did it fully show? Is it 500 yards of offense? No. Is it 350 passing yards? No. But I thought, overall, they showed us – you know, more than just a little something specifically in the second half. Again, 308 yards, they did that a year ago in total offense. That's not a huge number, but they were balanced, 145 rush yards, 170, 80 passing yards. There was balance, there was aggressiveness, and it just worked. And I thought it suited their defense really well. Enough aggressiveness coupled with the defense after a slow start as well, not creating a lot of pressure. Defense started creating pressure, led to turnovers. Uh, they got to C.J. Harris. And um, again, it led to a 20-13 to 13 win. Aztec breakdown following up. St. Redmond getting five-plus catches should be one of the goals for every game. Worked against Ohio. Hopefully they keep it up. I said in, in my bold predictions heading into the year, we did it on John and Jim, I had three of them. And one of mine was that Mark Redmond was going to catch 50 balls this year after catching just 21 a year ago because of the fact that Ryan Lindley is going to utilize his tight ends um, when you think about Ryan Lindley's pedigree, um, you know, working under, you know, Utah's offensive coordinator, the way they use tight ends, Redmond's pass-catching abilities, what he showed us at times in 2022, this was the perfect start for Mark Redmond. This was the absolutely perfect start. And, of course, you can't expect five-plus catches and, you know, two-plus touchdowns every single week. But if he if he's able to get four or five balls, and I think it's very reasonable, if he's able to get four or five balls, he's absolutely going to finish in that neighborhood of 40, 50, even more catches. And with two touchdowns in the opener, he's got a chance to have, you know, eight, nine, ten touchdowns or more potentially in 2023. So Redmond's a huge weapon on offense, especially with these younger receivers that are going to have to emerge. Last year, you know, before you're finding your tight ends, you're looking to Shavers and Matthews. And those guys specifically in the second half under Jalen Maiden were open a lot. And as you went through your progression, you didn't necessarily need to find tight end. But this year, I think the title, tight ends specifically early are going to be utilized because they don't have as much experience with those receivers. And they do have experience out of their backfield catching the football as well. We saw that a little bit on Saturday with um, Keenan Christian and Cam Davis as well. Uh, Colin, thank you for the comment. He says he was very impressed with 
Christian and Armstead Saturday. Christian can really extend plays and make something out of nothing. Great to have another stellar running back room this year. I, I love the running back room. A lot of this is going to be predicated on the offensive line. I thought the offensive line as the game got going improved as well in this game and really created some running lanes for Armstead on that impressive second-half drive. I thought Christian, what impresses you most about Christian is that second gear. And when he finds a little bit of daylight, he's really able to use that speed to his advantage. He's able to get outside and get down the sideline, and he's tough to catch, right? Everyone knows about his, his history in the state. High school track champion, 100, 200, played at SC. And um, I think he's going to have a big year. I think Jalen Armstead will as well. Um, and there's some other, you know, contributors there in that running back room um, that are going to be impactful, hopefully, for San Diego State. I mentioned Cam Davis, obviously getting some opportunities for the Aztecs as well, Martin Blake. Um, so, yeah, it's a very deep group. Um, and a year ago, I mean, I don't think they had a runner for – they didn't have a rusher for, what, 500 yards? A year ago, shockingly, when you consider the pedigree and the recent history of San Diego State running the football, um, that's going to change, obviously. It has to change in 2023. Uh, Max, thanks again. He says the uh, big turning point for him was when they ran a play with six seconds left. I'm assuming Lindley advised Maiden to get rid of the ball before the clock hit zero to still salvage a field goal. Scored a touchdown huge. I don't even know, Max, if they would have had a second if the ball was incomplete because when it was caught, the clock um, reached zero. And I agree with you. I think the plan was probably to run a four- or five-second play, um, you know, drop back and quickly look to the end zone and deliver something in four or five seconds from about 10 yards out. And it worked out beautifully. And by the way, there's a lot of coaches that aren't probably electing to do that in that spot. I mean, Ohio on their first drive elected to kick a field goal from the two-yard line and fourth down and not go for it. That was um, from the 10-yard line. They weren't at the one. I think with six seconds left at the one, well, yeah, you quickly throw something into the end zone, one, two, or three-yard line. But from the 10, you know, there's no guarantee you can run that play in five seconds. And, you know, you consider how big of a momentum swing it was from down 6-3 lead into the locker room and what does that say to the team that you're trusting them to come through in that spot um there's a lot to be learned from that and i know mark redmond was asked about that post game and he said listen the coaches have full trust in us we have full trust in them because of moments like that so i, I think it's a good way to start your season with a play like that that you cash in on um so that worked out really well um, and he agrees with Colin and says, appears as six of another solid one, two punch at running back. Armstead looks strong. Love how he runs hard. Yeah, it was hard for me to even be critical of him on the fumble. He had that first half fumble, and this is a classic fumble of like second, third effort result in the fumble. He was like stuck in the backfield, spun out of a tackle, spun out of another one, and then had the ball stripped away. Like when he was eight yards downfield. But that was all based on second, third effort and all like individual effort. So yeah, of course, you got to take care of the football. There's no question about that, and they can't afford turnovers, especially in the run game. But I'm pleased that they gave him more opportunities, and he took advantage of them, and he really ran for 10 yards a carry and 9.8, and he's got to feel really good coming out of that game. He's probably less concerned about the turnover and the fumble and more you know, encouraged by what he did and the opportunities he had there in the second half. Uh, Caesar, thank you. I'm surprised it's the first comment we actually had on attendance. Um, at Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, thank you, Caesar. He says, uh, San Diego State will be embarrassed and our aspirations to join a Power 5 conference will be dashed by the attendance of Snapdragon seats. TV perception is truth. Uh, Caesar, I appreciate the comment, um, but that's not that won't be the case, and I can tell you as to why. 
Um, San Diego State a year ago didn't sell out all their games in year one of Snapdragon Stadium, yet San Diego State was still on the doorstep of joining the Power Five League literally two weeks ago. And if the Pac-12 didn't evaporate before our eyes, San Diego State would have gotten an invite two weeks ago. So it's not based on, you know, it doesn't come down to any one thing. It really doesn't. It comes down to a myriad of things, most of which are outside of the control of, you know, me, you, even the athletic department, you know, and the university's administration, right? I mean, there has to be a need and there has to be um, a place for San Diego State. And it's obviously been a crazy time when it comes to conference realignment, what's happened with the Pac-12. We'll see whether Cal and Stanford end up in the ACC, potentially with SMU. I know this about realignment. It's always evolving and changing. Um, and, you know, it, when the music stops right now, we'll see if San Diego State remains in the Mountain West, if something forms out of an Oregon State, Washington State hypothetical league. Do those teams join San Diego State in the Mountain West as a new group of five league emerge? Who even knows what's going to happen? Um, of course, they're concerned about drawing at Snapdragon Stadium. We've had J.D. Wicker on the radio. Um, he's discussed the importance of supporting San Diego State Athletics. It's a brand new stadium. They have, obviously, yet on the facility. So, obviously, their aspirations are to fill the venue as often as possible. And I think they'll have chances to do that. I really do this year. I think UCLA game, Boise State at home, Fresno State, right? I mean, there's plenty of opportunities to, to, to draw. And you may say, well, hold on. It's the opener. Um, it was a nice afternoon. Right? They have more people in the building. It's also August 26th. It's also Ohio, not Ohio State. And I think you have to really be a college football fan to understand that Ohio came in off a 10-win season and had a, you know, potentially an NFL-caliber quarterback in the quarterback room in Curtis Rourke. So um, I thought the students were really encouraging. There had to be, what, 7,000 San Diego State students on the show in the student section there on Saturday. And uh, we'll see what it looks like. You know, this weekend, Idaho State FCS team, 7.30 start time. Tickets are available at goaztex.com. But it's not as simple as, hey, San Diego State didn't draw in week zero. They're not going to get to the Power Five. I mean, I watch a lot of college football. You look at college football in the West, watch games in the West, and not every game is heavily attended, whether it's UCLA headed for the Big Ten, whether it's Cal or Stanford potentially headed for the ACC, University of Arizona, Right, exactly drawing for their football games. Arizona State isn't selling out their football games. They're all headed for the Big 12. So there's there's a number of dynamics at play. This is what I do know about San Diego State conference realignment. They've won at a high level in football and men's basketball. They win a national championship game in basketball. They're located in the eighth largest city in the country. Right, they've got a brand new campus in Mission Valley. There's a lot of reasons to believe that San Diego State's athletic future is bright. Now, some of this is outside of their control. And again, Snapdragon Stadium is a critical piece of San Diego State's future success. And there's no doubt that they envision, you know, drawing at Snapdragon Stadium. There's no question about that. But I wouldn't base everything based on what we saw in this one game against Ohio on August 26th in terms of whether or not San Diego State is able to get into a Power 5 league or not moving forward. And we'll see what happens. And literally, I mean, the season has started, yet we still don't know what's going to happen with schools like Cal, Stanford, SMU, even potentially AAC, Northwest schools, Oregon State, and Washington State as well. Now, let me get to a few more. Again, if you're watching this, whether it's live or on replay, really do appreciate those that are subscribing. Aztecs win over Ohio in weeks. Idaho State, Bengals, brand new coaching staff, 29 new players. In week one, Brady Hill's saying they really don't have any film to watch as Idaho State has not played as of yet 
and has a brand new head coach and coordinators. And uh, we'll see what Saturday night at 7.30 rings. Michael's saying uh, offensively, our quarterback needs to find better chemistry with his receivers. Defensively, the front seven needs to improve. I, I think it's all fair, Michael, after game one. You know, I do. I think that's going to come with time. I think that, um, you know, front six, three, five is, you know, a little bit of a new group. Cody Moon from New Mexico is the defensive player of the week. Jack Browning, by the way, is the special teams player of the week in the Mountain West. But, you know, you got Cody Moon, who's new, had 12 tackles in his debut, played in the three, three, five for Rocky Long and New Mexico, had over 100 tackles, played very well against San Diego State a couple times in his career, the former walk-on. You had, um, you know, I, I thought they rotated in a lot of bodies there up front on the defensive line, which I thought maybe wore Ohio down a little bit there in the second half. Um, look at the totals here. I'm looking right now. You know, Wyatt Drager, um getting a start. Cooper McDonald, obviously your linebacker. Garrett Fountain, I think, have a big year for San Diego State. I thought the secondary was really good. Noah Tumblin, Mont Celestine, Barfield made some big plays. Dallas Branch as well. Um, you know, let's see who had the um, – yeah, I'm just looking right now at who had the tackles for losses and who had the picks. Darius Barfield had a pick. New Zealand Williams had a pick. Um, again, I thought the freshman Aztec, um, Marcus Radcliffe, Played well, had that pick that was called back. So I'm not concerned about I'm not concerned about the defense. Yeah, how can you? I mean, look at San Diego State's history defensively under Brady and Rocky. I'm really not. Um, now again, they're replacing a ton up front to my brothers. Um, so they're replacing a ton up front. I mean, every starter in that three three five up front has been replaced. So I'm not saying they're gonna get identical production, but there's reasons to believe San Diego State's defense defensively will be fine and better than fine potentially by the end of the year. A couple more here. Uh, Max saying Lindley turning to the screen pass really helped neutralize the Ohio pressure. I agree with that. really think it helped keep them honest. I think it open things up the Essex run game and pass. And honestly, yeah, they used it effectively. I agree with you, Max. Because Ohio was getting some uh, pressure on, um, on Maiden early. I think they did neutralize that with the screen game. I think it's a really good point. Um, and, and it's a good point. The thing with quarterback play, the thing with running back success is, you know, do you have time to throw and do you have lanes to run through? And I think early on, maybe that was an issue. And I think in the second half, the offensive line did a much better job. And maybe some of that credit goes to Ryan Lindley and, and his play calling as well. Sons of Montezuma, what's going on, man? Good to have you guys here. This is a great channel, by the way, for Aztec fans, Sons of Montezuma. You should subscribe and support. Find them on social media. They do outstanding work. Appreciate your support of the work I do. But Sons of Montezuma, again, is a great way to support Aztecs Athletics. Make sure to find them wherever you are on social media. You can find them, including on YouTube. Uh, saying it may not show up on the final scoreboard, but what a massive improvement Ryan Lindley is at play calling. This could be the start of reviving our quarterback culture at San Diego State. And that was one of my bold predictions, actually, to start the year well, which isn't even that bold. When you look at the way Jalen Maiden finished last year, he threw for 2,000 yards in his seven starts, and um, you know, I say he threw for something like 3,200 yards in 2023. Now, he didn't throw for 200 yards in this game, so he'll need some games where he throws for 250-plus. Truthfully, at the end of the day, you just want to see this team win. But I, I agree with you. I thought that Lindley really got into a groove. Two-minute drive at the end of the first half. The scoring drive in the second half. Um, the balance in the mix and the screen game to the point of Max from earlier. And again, this is only scratching the surface stuff. 
I mean, let's be honest. And again, this is a, you know, Ohio defensively wasn't great a year ago. They returned a lot of starters. I think they returned eight starters from a year ago. You know, I think there's room for growth with Idaho State coming here. You know, what do we see next week against Idaho State from this offense? Hopefully more opportunities for the Aztecs to build on what we saw in week one. And then hopefully a level of confidence and a level of um, comfort after two games when you get UCLA here in week two at 4.30, which of course will be the stiffest test of the year for the Aztecs today. Um, and yeah, in terms of quarterback culture, yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, the all-time leading passer at San Diego State is now the offensive coordinator. His playing and coaching pedigree, I think, is really, really encouraging. And we'll see what it means on the recruiting trail or in the transfer portal, but it can only mean positives. We do know that. Michael agrees, by the way, with you. Robbie agrees, right? So, yeah, I think – and that's what I said going in. And, you know, I'll kind of leave everyone with this. That's what I said heading into the season. What excites me most is the opportunities in front of this offense with Ryan Lindley now calling plays. Not that it's the end-all, be-all. He's not playing games. And, you know, do they have all the pieces that they need to ultimately run the offense that he wants to run? We're going to find that out over the course of the season. And I think they'll have, you know, plenty of more opportunities to run this offense the way they envision it as they continue to recruit into this offense, right? 12 personnel, a lot, one running back, two tight ends. Um, but I think they do have the personnel to have success in that offense with the stable of running backs they have, with the tight ends, with the Mark Redmonds, with the Jay Rudolphs. And with some of the returnees they have at receiver, Brian Penny, Kai Shaw, what we saw from Baylon Brooks, we'll see about Wesley, we'll see about Nicholson. Um, but I think they have the parts that they will need to be successful on offense this year. So I think it really is exciting. Um, and hopefully they can grow on what they did in week one in game two against Idaho State. Sons of Montezuma, thank you, man. Really do appreciate it. Um, I, I'll do what I can do. I know you're doing what you can do. Um, but it's, I mean, There's never been a better time to be around San Diego State Athletics, has there? There's never been a better time for football and men's basketball and facilities, et cetera. Um, okay. We're going to be back. We're going to be doing this week in and week out following San Diego State football games. We'll be doing it, of course, during the men's basketball season as well. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, I would appreciate it. Please subscribe to this channel. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at John Schaefer. Please smash the like button on this as well. We'll talk much more about it, by the way, coming up at 3 p.m. on San Diego Sports 760. John and Jim, my daily radio show from 3 to 6 on San Diego Sports 760, breaking down San Diego State's Game 1 victory over Ohio University. Until next time, my name's John Schaefer, and you've been watching The Wrap-Up Show. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.